This episode of the Legendary Frogcast will contain spoilers about Final Fantasy XIII, so watch out. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Legendary Frogcast. I am your host, Joseph Blanchett, and uh, with me is a newcomer to me, but um, if you listen to the other two episodes he was in, then you know all about his, his um, obsession with Mega Man, is Ash <laughs> Paulson. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing just fine, how are you? So I've heard you, you, Dustin, and the other guy have talked like for five hours about Mega Man. Something like that, and we still haven't uh, finished talking about all this, the whole series either. Yeah, so I hope you guys like Mega Man, because there's a lot more to come. Yeah, um, I love Mega Man. This is uh, part two of our Final Fantasy thirteen review podcast, but uh, you are not Kevin Brown, which is, which is a regular host of the podcast. So uh, this is kind of like some parallel dimension where one of us already did a review and the other one didn't. So right. uh, we're probably going to repeat a bunch of stuff just because it's like brand new people. Um, but this will contain spoilers, as you've heard in the warning at the beginning of the show. So Lots and lots of spoilers. Yep, so, unless you, so if you haven't played all 50 hours of Final Fantasy XIII, then uh, stop listening right now. You've been warned. Okay. You've been warned. Okay, so, um... What has been your experience with the Final Fantasy games? Um, I am a long-time fan. I, I have equal experience with both the old-school and the new-school Final Fantasies. I started with six, uh, fell in love immediately, went back and played, uh, and that was when I was a kid, like, probably 12, 13 years old. Uh, went back and played four, uh, five when I could get my hands on an English ROM back at the time. Uh, one, two, and three, and I, didn't, I never finished two or three, uh, or five, actually. I didn't really like any of them much, but then I went on to play seven through 13, of course. Um, Eleven I didn't play. I'm not really big on MMOs. <laughs> yeah, um, like a lot of people, I, I started with a seven, kind of okay. uh, work backwards. I, I never really... I confess I never beat any of, the, like, anything prior to seven, but I did play through, like most of 4 through through 6. Okay. Um, so so I, I guess I'm more of a, a modern a Final Fantasy fan, even though, um, like, even, like, 7 through 9 is considered, like, the old modern, and the new modern is, like, X, 12, and 13 now. Yeah, I think it's, it's funny, because for me, modern is, like, 7 and up. I mean, I, I consider pretty much anything PlayStation mm-hmm. 1, and after that, modern gaming, I guess, because I'm old. <laughs> but... Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, uh, so we, had, like, we had like one through three has been like the old school, like really old school games. Yeah, yeah. And then four through six is like the Chrono Trigger type games, I like to call them. Like kind right. of better. And like really the last, uh, I would say the last real f- traditional Final Fantasy game has been 10. Yeah, I mean, I would almost admit that it was 10 2 just because it was still the regular format. But, but again, a 10 2 shook things up so much mm-hmm. from 10 that it's hard to call that a traditional Final Fantasy game either. Yeah. Um, and 12 did too, and I wasn't a big fan of 12 at all. I really like 12. Oh, okay. But, uh, so, yeah, I think the best game to compare 13 with is Final Fantasy 10. Oh, absolutely. Uh, because it's the same team, mainly. Yeah, I mean, you you got a lot of developer interviews, uh, you know, before the game was released, talking about how 10 was like their direct inspiration for 13. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll notice that we're like talking about the history of it. Like our last podcast, we just write right into the game. Um, right. So, uh, 
So what platform did you play 13 on? Uh, thankfully, I was able to play it on PS3. Yeah, I was stuck with the 360 version. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I just, uh, I usually I, I would buy most multi-platform games on 360 just because I kind of prefer Xbox Live and, and achievements to trophies and all that, you know, kind of unimportant stuff, but... And usually the 360 version is, you know, it tends to be the, the superior one for whatever reason mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of games like Bayonetta and stuff like that. But no, as soon as I heard that the uh, PS3 version was so much so superior, I was just easy easy purchase decision for me. Yeah, like not only in like the resolution and like the, uh, yeah. oh, I'm hearing a lot of noise over there. Oh, weird. I don't. That's weird. I don't know why. It sounds like a vacuum cleaner. Wow, no, nothing's on, or anything. Hmm. It's really weird. Okay, well, anyway. Yeah, the uh, 360 version is, is like definitely the inferior version in resolution, movie quality, and uh, like special effects in the game, which is really weird. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's even so far as to say that it's like sub-HD, because I think it was like, what, something by 576 resolution? Mm-hmm. I mean, so. it, it, looked, it looked pretty awesome on my... Uh, a 720p TV, but like even I could see, God, that looks blurry or that looks jagged. Yeah, well, my, my best friend said that there, he saw me play mine. I have a 50-inch uh, plasma HDTV, and like he saw me play the PSC version on, on my TV, and uh, he had the 360 version, and he said it was mainly evident in the uh, cutscenes and the uh, FMVs that the <clears> gameplay <throat> wasn't that different, but it was just the uh, there was some, there was some pop in that wasn't in the PSC version that he saw. And that the AMD the FMVs specifically looked a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So all this is kind of boring. So let's go to the actual game. Right. Fair enough. Um, so Final Fantasy Thirteen is really linear. It is. Like I, I think that's my only real gripe with the game is uh it's really slow beginning and like oh we went over this in the first podcast but like it just has a really slow beginning like really yeah, yeah. S- slow like first half of the game. Really. See, I didn't. That wasn't my experience. I mean, I, I admit, or I, I submit, that I'm in the minority when it, when it comes to this feeling. I, for I mean, it is linear, and I love that about it. Um, I have always been of the preference that I, I like to have a story told to me. I don't really like non-linear RPGs, Western-style RPGs. I really like having a director kind of structure the world for me, and and you know tell the story the way he wants to tell it. Which is why I love Ten. Ten is instantly my favorite game in the series. A Ten, like. Um, after I beat 13, I went back and played 10, and I'm almost near the end of the game. And I said, well, I don't see why people complain about 13, because 10 is just as linear. Exactly, and and not only that, but a lot of the other Final Fantasy games that aren't 10 only have the illusion of non-linearity. I mean, even, mm-hmm. even 6, the first half of 6 in the world of balance is... I mean, you're going from town, yeah, you have a world map, but you don't really have that much freedom as to where you go. Same thing in 7. And eight. I mean, I think the world map does a lot for illusion of freedom, but it doesn't give you that freedom that people keep complaining is missing in 13. Yeah, so I'm going to play the uh, devil's advocate a little bit throughout this. Right. But but yeah, like, I just thought, even though I thought it moved the, the story ahead at a, at a pretty good pace, like most of the time, um, I didn't like the fact where every zone was almost literally a straight line. Yeah. You know, I, I I heard that a, a lot of a lot of those complaints before the game came out in uh, in America as well, and I guess it never really felt that way to me. I mean, I guess yeah, I could I thought about that while I was playing it, but I mean, I thought each each area was well designed enough there where it wasn't simply 
literally running down a straight line corridor. I mean, uh, obviously it was it was a straight, it was a one path with a few branching paths and treasure chests. And yeah, I mean, I can see why people wouldn't like that. I definitely get the complaints. I just didn't have a problem with them personally because I kind of like that linear structure. But I can well, I definitely guess, understand the complaints. Yeah, like I guess because like um, in Final Fantasy XII, like every like every zone you went to was like a just this huge huge open space and it had like multiple paths to different zones and you just had a, a lot more to explore and I guess that's one part that uh, disappointed me in 13 is like there, there really wasn't any um, exploration like you went somewhere because the story dictated it to you yeah and see I think that's that's I think it's just kind of a matter of taste that mm-hmm. that what you just described for 12 is why I never finished 12 I really? hate that about it <clears throat> Like the, the first the first major area outside of Dalmasca that I went to, like I just spent a couple of days wandering around aimlessly and I was like, I cannot stand this game. I just want the story to move along and I'm just like but I felt like if I just moved the story along that I'd be missing too much and that I'd be under leveled and I was like, This is just too slow and I liked the pacing that thirteen had because everything you did was for the story. Did um you get the impression sometimes that like the the places you were visiting were like places that they decided to do before they had a story and like they had to like um shoehorn it in like at um, I, di- I, I didn't get that that feeling during the game but i also you know read a lot of the interviews where they said they left a lot a lot of ideas that they wanted to use in the cutting room floor so mm-hmm. i made I, I thought about what they left out in terms of their original intent but yeah. i didn't feel that way while i was playing the game as in oh this you know feels like it sh- doesn't belong i mean i felt like the story was really tightly told and really tightly woven yeah, um, I'm just trying to get my thoughts here together about the story because I, I didn't think the story was really that. I mean, it was a it was a good story, but it wasn't that complex. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it wasn't particularly complex, but I, I'm I'm not sure that it needed to be. I don't think a lot of a lot of Final Fantasy stories are really that complex when you get right down to it. I mean, I I I, I suppose it was one of the more one of the simpler ones, but I mean, uh, I you know, nine is one of my favorite in the series, and that had a pretty simple story as well. Yeah, but I think it had more meat to it, um, like in, in previous games. Because in this one, like the only characters you really interact with are like your party members, and every That's once true. in a while, a villain will come up and and shake his fist, and you might or might not have a boss battle. Yeah, I, I did. I will say that I thought some of the I thought 13's strength in terms of storytelling was its main character. I think I think it's one of the strongest casts in the whole series. But I will say that I think in terms of the villains and um, a lot of the, the supporting or the surrounding story isn't quite as isn't quite yeah. as strong. I still liked it, but I definitely think the, the strength was the characters. Yeah, like um, I think like a good story always has a good always has to have a, a good villain. I thought, um, what was his name? Bartholomus? Or, oh, ba- well, Bartandalus or Dysley, depending on how you yeah. want to. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, he does appear in the game previous to when you meet him, but, like, you, you get to his uh, a chamber, he kills off one of the other villains, which only existed in a, a cutscenes, and, uh, and then, like, he reveals, like, sort of random noise <laughs> I think my computer's haunted must be yeah it was like a race car sound anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, he just kind of pops out of nowhere and just kind of reveals the grand plot to you but it has no build up 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think they tried to kind of account for that, but with the fact that you know there there was no realistic way that that the Lassie or you know or your main characters would have gotten as far as they did if it weren't for Disley kind of mm-hmm. guiding them along to do that. So I mean, I did buy that, but I but I agree that that Disley as a villain, Bartandalus, whatever, as a villain, he wasn't the series' strongest by a long shot, mm-hmm. and and I, I definitely thought that like a lot of the the secondary villains like uh, Colonel Nabot and Colonel, what was his name, the, the white-haired guy. Uh, I can't remember. Which is my point. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but, yeah. Give some uh, context. In this world, you have the humans, and you have the kind of the biological robot thing that's called the sea. Yeah. And, uh, or Falsy. Right, Falsy. Right. And um, they, in the Falsy, kind of give all the humans like whatever they want. They give them power, they give them light, they give them food. Yeah. Um, but there's this other world called Pulse, which exists below them, mm-hmm. and uh, they have Falsy too. And, and the people of Cocoon are just t- terrified that like Pulse is going to come and take him over. Right. Um. So so pretty early in, on the game, I said to myself, every Falsy is bad. They have to be. Like mm-hmm. these guys are not good. And um, you learn that there was this race that created humans and Falci and the uh, or the maker the makers and yeah. uh, the Falci are obsessed with meeting the maker again yeah and in order to do that they have to to sacrifice all the humans and um and that in itself is a is a, is a good plot but it's hardly ever really discussed in depth I mean just kind of learn about it and right. then it, it doesn't become relevant until, like, the end of the game. Yeah, it's definitely not. I mean, it, it's not more... That's not really touched upon more touched upon more until uh, chapters 10 up to the end. Like, uh, at the end of the whole Grand Pulse journey up to the end. And, and yeah, that's true. It's definitely not... Uh, I mean, you find out the beginnings of that plot, I think, halfway through the game. Mm-hmm. During your first meeting with Bartandalus. But, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's not... Yeah, I, I definitely don't think the antagonistic portion of the story was it, its strong suit. I mean, by the end, I did care in terms of you know this villain. I was like, okay, I don't like this guy, and I was and I was left. I what I thought was a great hook was Orphan, and I and I really I was left guessing until the end how Orphan how they how it was going to be resolved because if yeah. they if they kill Orphan, who's like the core of Cocoon, then then Cocoon falls and dies, and and I was yeah, left so- wondering to the very end how that was going to be resolved. Mm-hmm. So every um, when a a falsy kind of curses the humans to do whatever, like to do its bidding, then the humans become lusty and they gain the power of magic and all that stuff. Right. And each one is given a, a focus, which they have to do, or else they die, right. or they uh, turn into those uh, Seath guys. Yeah, see. So we learn that like they think their uh, focus is to stop all the falsy. But uh, we learned their like their real focus is to kill Orphan. Yeah, well, they they, they right? learn. Well, Snow thinks Snow well, because of, of his love for Sarah thinks that his their focus must be to save the world, to save the Coon. Yeah, to save the world. But <laughs> the bad guys say no. You need to kill Orphan so we can do this thing to meet the Makers. But then you learn Orphan was behind it all in the first place. Right. Well, Orphan is just wishing for death. Well, you know, Orphan Orphans in line with what the Falci want because he was created by a Falci. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, 
I'm trying to remember the plot here, so I'm like right. <laughs> going back and forth. And we just kind of skipped to the end of the game, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, like I'm always thinking about like what I thought of the plot, and and like when I thought it was good, um, I said to myself, imagine you take the plot of Final Fantasy X and you get rid of Seymour, you get um, you get rid of any corruption in the uh, like in Yevon and right. you don't learn that uh, Titus's father is is a sin until the last cutscene like that's mm-hmm. kind of what I thought of the plot in 13 it has like like the bare bones of a plot a good plot but the only thing moving it forward is um, the characters and not necessarily some overarching epic story I mean, I thought it was a little more well-paced than that, just because, I mean, you get you you get a lot of, especially from Chapter 10 on, when you go down to Grand Pulse and you kind of go on that journey. I mean, <clears throat> I, I do think that the overall story is moved along fairly well, but it's definitely based around the characters. The characters are definitely the, the focal point, and, and they cause everything to happen. But that's also kind of what the the point of the story, too. I mean, I mean you find out that Bartandalus is, in effect, guiding Gulasee, to make them stronger so that they can eventually face Orphan and kill him. So, I mean, in a sense, the the, the game right out comes right out and tells you that the Lassie are the focal point because they are they are the ones who are brought together mm-hmm. by the, by the Falci to put all of this cocoon destroying plans into motion. So, in that sense, it, it kind of makes sense. There isn't really anyone else who could affect you know that kind of disaster. Um, I wonder if the makers creating humans and and Falci is a expanded upon in um any of any of the other games that are going to be released yeah i i, I wonder too because I, I will say that that one thing I, I was particularly let down by was that we didn't get more hands-on history of what happened to pulse i mean we hear all these ominous things about the war of transgression between mm-hmm. uh grand pulse and cocoon and i think the setting of grand pulse when you go down there and you see this long abandoned forgotten you know war-torn nature you know natural world it's really amazing like you get goosebumps it's such a well crafted environment yeah like you know oh go ahead no you go oh i just i just like i remember when i got to to grand pulse i was getting my ass kicked by all these monsters but i didn't mind because i was i was just exploring all this nature and i found like the the ruins of of an old grand pulse city and i was like this is really cool i just want to know more about what happened here Mm -hmm. um Speaking of difficulty, didn't the game get like from the first time you fight a Bartholomus? I can't pronounce his name. The <laughs> game just got like super hard, like beyond that it, point. It's funny, you know. I heard about that, and I never felt that. It might be because I was over overpowered or you know over leveled, but um, I never found the game to get really that hard. Um, I had a lot of. I had a friend who was, uh, or my best friend was, farther than me the whole time because he had more time to play and. He kept telling me, dude, just there's like a wall and it's going to get so hard. And I never really felt that until I got to Grand Pulse. Mm. And uh, Grand Pulse was really hard when you get there for, at first. And it was just unbelievably antagonistic. And then, uh, but once I, you know, leveled up a little, I've, I realized it wasn't really that bad. Who is your, um, who is your main team? Uh, my main team for uh, pretty much ever since I, well, before I got to Grand Pulse, it was uh, Lightning, uh, Hope and Vanille, I think, and then after from Grand Pulse and after it was Lightning, Hope and Fang. Yeah, I used uh, 
up until chapter 11, I guess, I use um, Vanille, uh, Snow, and, uh, and, Sh- and Saz. But then, okay. like, but Snaz, like, uh, Saz just became, like, really underpowered near the end of the game. So uh, I switched up to Hope, Vanille, and, and Snow. Like, Snow had the highest hit points, so uh, I like right. using him. Um, so, oh, um, me and Kevin were talking, and, like, he had the theory that uh, Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen, um, like, took is like taking place on pulse like in oh, like years like like years in the past and it's going to be about the war that took place that would be really cool if that's the case i, I thought i heard that it, it took place in like a different world but still had the same mythology overall well well that's what i thought too and uh it was just a, a theory he had if and that's the like, case that'd be really cool i would love that mm-hmm. uh, did you think that like the backstory in a lot of cases was more interesting than the actual story that was going on in the game um, not for me because I love the backstory, but but for me, for really any good story, the characters for me are the driving force, and and because thirteen was such a character driven story, I was pretty much all the way through just chomping at the bit to find out what happened to the characters. I mean, like thirteen, I was telling telling one of some of my friends that was one of the first games in a long time that I lost sleep over. Like I would have to play until the wee hours of the morning, even though I knew I had work the next day. I did play for pretty long stretches because it was just so easy to get to a save point. So yeah. like every time I did. Yeah, but like um I just felt that if this was a earlier game in the series, then like it would have started like at day one when they found the Pulse Falci. And uh Yeah, that's true. I, I, I do wish they had uh yeah, I wish I'd see I see what you're getting at. Yeah. I, I definitely mm-hmm. felt that some of the backstory leading up to the events that actually Okay, we had a little internet hiccup there. Um, I think I was talking about um, how I thought if this was a um, an earlier game in the series, then it would have started at like a, a day one when they found the Falci. Right. Yeah, and and I agree that um, I do wish that all the importance in the first thirteen days are so important to the overall narrative of thirteen. I wish we had seen them, got to play them, or see them in more detail because we only get to see them in flashbacks or read about them. It uh, I did make it interesting that they were flashbacks though. Yeah, because like it kind of explained the mystery of like who Vanille is, and uh, and what happened to um, Dodge, uh, Saz's son. Yeah, like I mean, in terms of, of bringing the whole story together, even if it wasn't the most effective device in my opinion, I I do think it was a really well crafted story, well rounded story. With, with I couldn't really find any holes in it. Mm-hmm. So, so like, in terms, yeah. So, yeah, so like I liked it in the sense that it gave us revelations about the characters and, and gave us like. Like what? Like like why they're doing what they're doing? Um, I just thought that there were too many stretches of the main game where not a lot happened. Where um, like if we had, if we were able to play more of the backstory, then like just some sections of the game would have felt so uh, drawn out, you know? Right. I mean, I can't. I'm, I'm trying to figure out which section. Do you? It's funny. The only the only part of the game I thought was really drawn out was grand pulse when you have the freedom to go do your own thing like you would have in 12 and that's when that's the only point at me for me at which the story dragged because i spent a lot of time just just exploring the world but, i don't know maybe it's just me like even though see like it's such a love hate thing with me because like i liked like i thought it moved the story ahead like in each little cutscene gave you a little bit 
of insight about the character or like a tidbit of information. But like, it seems like they didn't need to run through this magical forest to do so, you know? Well, except they had they always had an overall goal they were going for. Like when they're in the when Lightning and Hope were in the Gopra Whitewood, they were making definite progress towards getting to Palampolum mm-hmm. to regroup with his dad. And I mean, I, I always thought that, that there was a, a tangible reason that the characters were doing something. And I, I also I know a lot of people complained about the gameplay, uh, the gameplay, I guess, detriment to have, pairing only two certain characters together. But if I if I may be in the minority here, and I admit that, but if I'm playing an RPG, I'm playing primarily for the story it's telling me, not for the gameplay. So yeah. that didn't bother me. I was fine with Lightning and Hope being my main party for Chapter Five, and Vanille and Saz being mm-hmm. my main party for Chapter Six. A lot of I saw a lot of people complain about that. Yeah, like, like that's one complaint like I never really got because uh, like you're still playing the game, but people are saying like, oh, the tutorial lasts for. 12 hours and i'm like well you're still playing it and i never really got that sense i mean i know i know the fact that the crystarium is locked to a certain you know to a certain point in each chapter you know piss a lot of people off and i can i guess i can see why but i, I never felt like the game was so easy that it was a two, like a 12 hour tutorial i mean mm-hmm. there were a few problems in the earlier few points in the early game where i died i yeah. mean it wasn't it wasn't like a it, I, I think i honestly feel like some of those complaints are overblown yeah like i think it's just the fact that uh they knew that there were other things to do, but they couldn't do it yet. Right. They're like, "Well, why are you making me learn how to, uh, like, use this use this class when I already know how to do it and all that stuff?" Yeah, so. I mean, I think I think I think Square's handling of that was definitely a little, a little heavy-handed, and I and I do wish there was a, you know an option for people who didn't want to go through every little explanation. I definitely agree, but I don't I don't think it was as game-breaking as people make it out. To mm-hmm. I mean, like. I still thought it was fun up to that point, so even though I, I might have gotten frustrated with, like, oh, we're just doing a bunch of battles again, like, the battles were still fun, so right. what are you complaining about? But like, I think it's the fact that when you're doing that, you're, you're like, you're going down that linear path. Yeah. So, so, like, I think some people just, like, I don't know, if they had a branching path, they, 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 they like, might not have felt that was so uh, tedious. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely something to be said for that. I mean, there there are different kinds of RPGs out there, and and some people like a more nonlinear kind of you know figure things out yourself type of RPG. I mean, I'm not a fan of Western RPGs for that reason. I kind of like I said earlier, I like having a story directed and told to me. But I also admit that I'm a sucker for drama. I'm a sucker for for melodrama. I'm a sucker for you know heavy-handed cutscenes and character stories. I'm in the I'm in the minority today. I realize that, but I feel like Square made that kind of game for me and i and maybe the last one we ever get because I'm, i know that square and a lot of other japanese developers are starting to make games that skew towards western audiences and in terms of that i'm in definitely minority yeah like i think this is kind of like one step forward to simplifying things i just think they kind of overcompensated mm-hmm. um in a few ways like i think my conflicting negative feelings about like parts of this game is uh because i have a like a really good friend who lives in the in the UK, and like she is just in love with Final Fantasy X. Like it's it's her favorite game. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like when she was playing this game, like she just kept on complaining about it, saying like this game is not good. Like I'm not I don't care anything about these characters. I think the story is stupid. That's interesting. And, yeah. And like I'll say, well, it's it's like well, like because we used uh. I think it's like one of the best characters in the game, even though he's really annoying at first. Like I was, I was talking about Hope, 
Mm-hmm. And but like I was saying, like, well, I, I thought Hope's a pretty good character. He has a pretty interesting story. And then he just goes, she just he, and then she goes, like, he just whines all the time. Like I don't understand why he's feeling what he's feeling. You know, well, I hear a lot of that about Hope, and I Hope ended up being one of my favorite characters. And I, I, I'd remind people, the boy watched his mother die for mm-hmm. God's sake. I mean, if I watched my mom die, I'd probably be wanting a lot too. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, maybe maybe people just want instant, you know, like instant satisfaction with characters that they don't want to have to deal with their problems. And I mean, I guess I can get that because you're playing a video game, you don't want to deal with real life problems, maybe. But I mean, the, the kid watched his mom die. I, I thought it was, and I thought the his journey his journey to kind of forgiving Snow was very very convincing. Mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite parts of the game is a. Uh when he confronts snow on, on like on the top of that building yeah and like me too. and like he raises the knife to kill him but you know there's that big explosion yeah um, i mean in, in a lot of ways 13 in a lot of ways is one of the most mature stories i think squared has done mm-hmm. and and obviously it definitely has flaws but in terms of, of the of all the crap the characters go through like the the demons they have to deal with i mean it's a pretty mature story mm-hmm. like what i liked about that scene is like you would kind of think Hope would just go, ah, you killed my mom, and then just start to fight him. But yeah. he gives a pretty emotional speech about, like, like saying, hey, Snow, what are you doing? Your choices affect people, and this is how it affected me, you know? Right. And, like, he does, like, raise his knife at the end, but, I mean, he lets Snow know why he's doing that. Yeah, I mean, and in the end, I think that's why I loved the story so much is because the characters were so well written. I mean, the the surrounding story definitely had a few kinks, and especially the, the villain, you know, the villain aspect of it definitely had some kinks. But the main characters were so incredibly well written. I I would submit they were the best written characters of the entire series, and uh, for that reason, I think that's why I, I loved the story so much. I think she was a little bit disheartened with it all. Because uh, we're also big on uh, Mass Effect 2 fans. Okay. And, like, that game just has a really excellent story. And it does it in a way where, like, it just... Like, you have a, a conversation with a character in Mass Effect 2. And, like, you just have, like, entire novels worth of information about that guy. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm sad to say I haven't had I haven't gotten around to playing the Mass Effect games yet. I, I was originally kind of shying away from them because I typically don't like WRPGs. But... I've heard from so many people that they're they're not your typical Western RPGs, and they they really demand to be played. Mm-hmm. So I got the first one for ten bucks new, and uh, I'm, that's one of my my on my two playlist because yeah. I've heard they're great games. Yeah, like a little bit of, of a tangent, but yeah, Mass Effect One um, is definitely a good game, but there's a lot of a uh, kind of gameplay quirks about it. But it has an, an excellent universe and uh, excellent characters. I think I think one of the things that maybe also kind of shy me away at first was kind of the timing of its release. I'm I'm notoriously kind of not really into the whole intergalactic space marine type setting, mm-hmm. which Halo has done and done again and again and again and again. And like you know, like all, between all the Halos and Gears of Wars and and all that stuff, I think I just looked at Mass Effect as another one of those games. But then I learned later that it wasn't. It's definitely not like that. It, it's yeah. really hard, a sci-fi and. Uh... Yeah, I'm definitely going to play it. Yeah, excellent universe. And while like the first one has its problems, um, part two is just an excellent game. Yeah, no, I've heard I've heard universally it's just a lot of praise. So I definitely I'm looking forward to playing it. Hey, Dustin is making comments about our our conversation. Oh, okay. This is a little bit ominous. <laughs> okay, so back to Final Fantasy 13. Okay. okay. Um, 
Yeah, I, um, I definitely like the characters. Um, yeah, I felt overall they had more motivations pushing them forward than some other characters in previous games did. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think it's funny what you said about your friend. It's really interesting because I always used the fact that Final Fantasy X is my favorite game in the series mm-hmm. as kind of the reason that I love Thirteen so much and because they're, they're so similar in so many ways. And uh, so I, I was really... I think it's interesting to hear that your friend, you know, she loves 10 but didn't like 13. Yeah, because, like, um, like replaying uh, 10 again, characters like Waka and Lulu and uh, and Riku um, are just kind of tagging along for the journey. I mean, Riku has a little bit of a of a reason to do what she's doing, but, like, Waka and, and Lulu are just kind of there. No, that's completely how I feel. Like, I mean, like I said, 10 is my favorite in the series overall, but it's mm-hmm. it's really almost completely carried by Titus, Yuna, and Orin. And and uh, by contrast, Waka, Lulu, and Kamari are almost completely unimportant to the story. And mm-hmm. Riku is slightly important. And what I can say for 13 is that every single character is incredibly important in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I love how all their their plots is kind of interconnected at various points and how, how like, one how like something one character did will affect another one in like a way you don't really expect yeah and 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 i think that for me is 13's greatest storytelling triumph i mean every character matters Mm -hmm. and every character affects all the other characters in believable ways and believable human ways Mm -hmm. and uh and and not and not even 10 could do that yeah and i I liked how sarah only existed in a cutscenes and memories but like she was like the driving force t- between uh lightning and and snow like, yeah and and actually that reminds me of one of my favorite scenes in the entire game which is when lightning finally kind of works through her anger and forgives snow and really and says you know what snow i was wrong and i'm sorry i, I mistreated you horribly and i i didn't trust sarah you did mm-hmm. and i'm and i was wrong and i hope you can forgive me i thought uh lightning for being on the game's box um wasn't the strongest character in the game though yeah that's funny she i mean i liked her as a main character but at at the same time she didn't yeah she wasn't exactly like you know the driving force behind everything she really wasn't a main character like she was like i like how 12 um like on the on the box cover you have all the characters and they're kind of posing it's because every character in that game is kind of the main character yeah, I think I think thirteen definitely had a more ensemble cast, kind of like six and twelve, and and I mean lightning. Yeah, a lot of it was about her struggles and about what she went through, and and Sarah and being her sister. But it was definitely a every character was equally important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I thought it was a mistake to to make people think that lightning was like the focus of the story. Yeah, I think so too, because she she wasn't the she was really just one of six. Okay. Yeah, like I, I wish they expanded on a kind of the. The like she she was part of the uh, of what, what what team was she a part of? Just like the police, basically. Oh, she was the the Bodum Security Regiment. Mm-hmm. And it, the, it, yeah. it just seems like that that and like the higher ups are always at odds at each other. Yeah, and like and like I thought that would. Uh, I wish they expanded on that a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I I thought they did a fairly good fairly good job of fleshing out the world. I mean. There was a lot of stuff to understand about the world of Cocoon and, and their, the political infrastructure and the military infrastructure. That I, I thought they did a pretty good uh, job of fleshing out. I never really found myself confused by anything. Well, I thought they did a good jo- job making a good world, but like 
the first couple hours of the game, I was just really confused. And then I said, you know what, I have to read these journal entries to know what's going on. And I thought that was just poor storytelling. Right, right, right. Yeah, I guess I, I see what you mean. I never mm-hmm. minded reading the journal entries, and I read yeah. everything. But at the same time, you shouldn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. I, and like, I thought that they... They didn't like for pushing you right into the middle of a story that's literally like 13 days old. <laughs> that yeah. like they um, didn't do a good job of saying what's going on, and, and, and by the time they did explain it, like you were like a few hours into the game. Yeah, I found myself wondering why they did that. I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel I, I liked how everything came together and they explained everything perfectly through the flashbacks. But why not make it a complete? you know, experience in terms of adding the 13 days into the actual gameplay. Yeah, that's like, a, in part 10, like, Titus is your eyes to this brand new world, and he doesn't know anything about it, so they kind of hard hand, they, they just kind of blatantly say, like, this is what this is, and this is why we do it. Yeah. Um, so, so, the other characters, uh, I think my favorite personality out of all of them was definitely uh, Saz. Oh, I love Saz. What, well, yeah, what a great character and definite, uh, definite uh, kind of I get forgiveness. I guess I can forgive Square for Barrett now mm-hmm. because they actually they actually made a, a strong, believable black character. Yeah, and like I heard some people say, oh, he's a walking s- stereotype, but he's kind of really though. not. Yeah, like he may have an afro, but I mean that's that's not saying anything. <laughs> and that's not really a stereotype. I mean, you know, black people sometimes have afros. It's not a, really a big deal. I don't think. I mean. Just kind of just how their hair is. It's, it's yeah, I mean sometimes. Puffy, and, and, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and I thought the whole thing with the baby chug about living it was really charming. Yeah, and like for the longest time, I was like, are they going to explain what's the deal with that uh, a chocobo? And it turns out it's it's a pretty sweet reason why he had a little baby chocobo living. In yeah, hair. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, Saz was like the emotional kind of centerpiece of the story. I mean, his his story was maybe the saddest of everyone's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, yeah, Hopes was really sad, but. Like that, that that part about halfway through, well, not quite halfway through the game, but when uh, Dodge or Dodge, his son, runs up to him, and I, and I, immediately I knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. I was like, this doesn't this doesn't seem okay that he would just be there. And then when he embraces his dad and turns to Crystal, I was like, this is really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and, yeah, yeah. Like that's one of my other favorite parts of the game is when he confronts uh, Vanille. Yeah. Like, after he learns that it was her fault that uh, a Dodge become a a uh, cocoon with sea. Yeah, um, and, and then you're like, you're made to think that he killed himself. Yeah, and like, I knew that like he obviously was going to be around for the rest of the game. Yeah. But like, I was like, well, did he really kill himself and they have to bring him back to life? I mean, like... Yeah, me too. But then like, it made the character so much better. Well, I guess it happened before, but like he was going to shoot the needle and then he said, uh, you know, killing kids ain't right either. Yeah, you can't, then, it's something you just can't forgive. Yeah, and then like he uh, he turns the gun on himself. Yeah, and I'm just like like I said. I mean, I said it before, and I'll say it again. I think the human drama aspect of 13 Story is maybe its greatest greatest accomplishment, and and I don't think it gets enough credit. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the best stories I've really experienced. I think, mm-hmm. really ever. And like you really, feel in terms for, of the, the human drama. Yeah, like I mean, you really feel for for Saz in that moment, but at the same time, you have Vanille, who's been holding the secret in the entire time. And, and basically in tears, she goes like, what do you want me to do? Yeah, exactly. And I will say that, you know, like, just a, a quick tangent, um, the voice acting was, I thought, pretty much without exception, really well handled. 
a lot of people complain about Vanille. I think Vanille started off having issues, and I, and I think her voice actors kind of settled into her role later on. Or, like, maybe this got used to her little quirks, maybe. Yeah, because, like, about halfway through the game, I, I, I agree that, like, the first half, I was like, okay, Vanille sounds a little off. And then by, by, by the second half of the game, I, I didn't really notice it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Saz, really like Saz. Um, Snow, we kind of talked about Snow. Um, thought he was a good, like, a good way to connect uh, a Sarah with like what they're doing because he was always like, we gotta save Sarah and that was his driving force um, I, th- I think it's funny because Snow had the potential to be really annoying and, and was mm-hmm. at first but in the end I, I never really felt like he was as annoying as he could have been I actually liked him even though I I definitely think some of his lines were some of the worst in the game and I love I like I said I love heavy handed drama I'm, I can handle a lot the, we, of his, we all the, gotta be the, heroes yeah, and it's like heroes don't, you know, heroes don't need plans. I'm like, who says that? <laughs> who would say that in real life? No one would say that. You get punched if you said that. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, and, and like I said, I can handle a lot of drama, but that was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So some of the stuff he said kind of annoyed me because it was just so unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So like another interesting part of the story was the relationship between uh, Vanille and Fang. Right. Um, which is like another another thing like I thought that the backstory was kind of more interesting than the main story sometimes because I wanted to know like what like what happened to these two yeah I would have liked to see more about you know about Fang originally turning into Ragnarok and scarring Cocoon and and just and, and really Fang and Vanille's entire journey up to that point that led them into the vestige and into their crystal stasis mm-hmm. yeah like um okay sorry um like Not the words. Like what they did on, yeah, like just the war on Pulse, um, and like why those two were selected. Uh, like if I had it my way, like I would have an a, a entire game about that. Yeah, I could definitely see a prequel all about the the war on mm-hmm. Pulse. Um, but yeah, I thought their their story was really interesting, and um, you know, I liked how they were almost kind of almost as an allegory for orphan they were they were kind of orphans themselves looking for looking for a new home and you see them talk about that we're like you know lightning and fang or uh, i think uh, or sorry uh fang and vanilla vanilla just gotten her idolin and fang's like you know we have a new family now we have to protect these people you know mm-hmm. th- this is our family now and, and it's it's kind of sad because they're orphaned pretty much from their 2000 year old home world mm-hmm. and and i thought that was one of the most chilling moments of the entire game. I, I thought the whole the way Airbo was handled, their their home village was oh, yeah. so well done. Yeah, like I love the atmosphere, I love the music. Yeah, everything about that. It reminded me a lot of Xanarkin in, in FF ten, but better. Yeah. Like I loved how that really haunting music played throughout even the like the battles. Yeah, exactly. And the, and you just the way the the lighting was done and, and the, the the crystal dust, you know, throughout the air and, and the sea you know, shambling through the village. I mean, if there's one thing you can say about 13, it's that the, the graphics are gorgeous, and, I mean, you're never wanting for atmosphere. And, like, the music's real good, too. Yeah, no, the music is, is wonderful. I think uh, I think it was Masashi Hamauzu who did the whole soundtrack this time. He was, he really brought it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Fang was kind of introduced kind of late in the story, actually, in, like, the grand scheme of things. Right. Um, and, like, you're never quite sure what she's about but uh i guess in the manual it basically says that her and vanille are related somehow even though they're not related by blood 
Well, I think they're related and so like such that they're both from yeah, the Grand same village. villages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's kind of the revelation later in the game, just kind of like this offhanded uh, comment by Fang. She was like, "Oh yeah, I became Ragnarok. I destroyed Cocoon." Right. Well, we're we're left wondering for a while if it was actually Vanille was... or Fang because Vanille's lying about it for a while. Mm-hmm. And then you're wondering if if Fang knew it was Vanille. Right, and she was just lying about it, but it turns out it, it was it was all her, right? It was it wasn't. It was all yeah. It was Fang every time. Just Vanille, Fang forgot after her crystal stasis, and Vanille didn't want to see any more bloodshed, and she wanted to protect Fang as well, so she just lied about it, which of course got you know Dodge and or Dodge involved, and and so I mean you know that was something I thought was well handled too. Was that you know Vanille tried to lie for all the right reasons, and even when you do that though you still can cause a lot of unnecessary pain. And that's what really brought all these characters into the mix. Yeah, and even when um, she, she met Sarah at one point, and Sarah, like, not really knowing who Vanilla was, she was like, oh, just just don't worry about your problems and worry about it later. Yeah. And, like, even then, that kind of made it worse because it made Vanilla, like, determined not to tell anybody until everything's better. Yeah, and even though, you know, Sarah had no idea that Vanilla was the one responsible for her brand. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, and then like I really liked at the end of the game when uh you defeat um orphans orphans first form like when he's mm-hmm. that big sword. I guess that's kind of like a the, like the main boss and an orphans combined form. Right. Um. And uh, he actually turns everyone else into Seath. Yeah, that really that really shocked me, and it, it really moved me. Like when I saw when I saw Lightning try to grab her Gunblade, and she couldn't do it, I was like, "This is really kind of disturbing me right now." Mm-hmm. I didn't actually expect to see that happen. I, I didn't think it would ever actually happen. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to remember exactly the events, but uh, Orphan basically tells Fang like, "Become Ragnarok." Yeah, like you know, she, she, she's like, can, "Can you bear the sin of our salvation?" Which is like you know, direct quote. Can you? And and she sees directly what what that means i mean it, it meant her you know turning her friends into seep and i mean it's the the the, the thing like i said the, the, the things that these characters go through is all very believable I, I, I didn't feel like that i didn't feel like square cut any corners and and, and had a cheap happy ending or mm-hmm. or anything like that like i felt that you know pretty much everything that happened was realistically dark and realistically you know everything had a consequence and and, and none of the consequences were skirted around it's actually the events were uh Fang was go become Ragnarok to defeat Orphan. Right. And uh, Vanille stops her. Right. Or tries to stop her. And, and actually, I think, like, it was, it was like a month ago when I beat this, so I'm, I'm starting to remember. Um, didn't Orphan want Vanille to become Ragnarok? Yeah, originally it was Vanille because none of them were, none of them were going to do it and then Fang was the one that, that said let her go I'll do it I'll become right, Ragnarok right, right. Was, yeah <clears throat> yeah because just like, because they care about each other he was like uh, torturing her like killing yeah. her and bringing her back to life and, and trying to get Vanille to become Ragnarok and Fang was like enough of this I become yeah. Ragnarok yeah and then, and then he tortures Fang and then you know Vanille and then of course that yeah they all turn to Seath and Vanille's freaking out I will say that the, maybe the one part of the entire game that I didn't quite understand in the end was if they ever actually became Seath, or if that was just, as Lightning puts it, more foul sea smoke and mirrors. Because I don't see, they make such a big deal out of becoming a Seath is eternal. It's such a horrible thing, you can never go back from being a Seath. 
Yeah. And I, I didn't quite understand how they all actually became Seath and then were not Seath. What? Well, like I think because they, they, they failed their focus somehow. But their focus, to... as far as I understand, in, in terms of you know what the foul, what the foul C, you know, branded them with, was to right. destroy Cocoon. But they were never going to do that. Yeah, like, I think just because they were right. Um, well, I'm also under, I was under the impression that they did become Seath. Uh, but since they were like right by Orphan at the time, Orphan just said, "Okay, enough with this," and, and turned him into <laughs> and turned him into Seath. Well, yeah, um, no, like I, I got that, but that I like, and that that makes sense to me. I just didn't. If they were actually were Seath, then how do they not, you know, come back and being Seath? I think because yeah. since they never lost all hope, they were able to fight it. Since they're since they're kind of forced into it by Orphan, it wasn't a natural transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was the final cutscene, and then I said, "Oh no, a third phase!" Yeah. But luckily, it wasn't that hard. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, because yeah, no, I, that 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 definitely that really surprised me. And, yeah, and I was like, because that last battle, like, it took me like six tries to beat that stupid thing. Oh really? Yeah. Well, well I think I think I was overpowered, but like, yeah, I, I pretty much took it out in the first stagger. Oh really? Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, because like, uh, <laughs> I was a little under underpowered at the time and then I say you know what I'm gonna grind out the rest of these job classes like just so I get all three of them up there and I'm gonna upgrade these weapons to crazy levels and then it wasn't that much of a problem yeah I was definitely a little overpowered um, by the end of the game because I, I overestimated how how long or I should say I underestimated how long the Grand Pulse chapter was so by the end of the Grand Pulse chapter I had like 300,000 surplus CP mm-hmm. to spend at the, at the very beginning of Eden yeah. So and and from then and I also had tier two weapons on uh, on Fang and uh, Hope and then I had the tier three weapon on Lightning, mm-hmm. so I was really overpowered. Yeah, like I'm I usually don't overlevel um, Final Fantasy games. Like, yeah, I don't either. I actually didn't even mean to. Which is kind of a I was enjoying the battle system enough to where I was like, well, I'll just you know screw around, and then I I ended up thinking that the chapter was shorter than it actually was, and I <laughs> ended up having way too much CP. Yeah, like a. Uh, the Final Fantasy X, I, uh, I just like first time I played it years ago. I I got through it on like on the seat of my pants. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like the hardest thing ever. And uh, in Final Fantasy XII, I didn't really over level it, but um, I found out later that I never got like two of the spells that make like the game really easy. That gives you like double hit points and stuff. Oh uh, right. And like I told uh, Dustin that, and he was just kind of amazed that I did that. <laughs> Yeah, I think by the end of ten, I had all the ultimate weapons and, and everything. I mean, part of the one of the things I didn't like about ten's end game was that you really couldn't lose the final battle except for the first part, which wasn't that hard anyway. Yeah. But um. <clears throat> yeah, like the ten's last battle was just kind of a, just kind of like an extension of the cutscene, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's I I wasn't, and of course, the very end of ten's final battle, the the whole Yu Evan thing was so out of nowhere. I was like, come on, really. Oh, that's what I was talking about. I, I, I thought... Well, that, I was thinking that in the Aeons. Because you can't lose against the oh, Aeons. Oh, right, right, right. Um, so yeah, the last battle in 13, I had a lot of trouble with. Just because oh, okay. he would randomly kill my uh, main character. Yeah, you know, I heard a lot of people complaining about that. I never, I've never, i never seen Orphan cast death. Uh, I've, I've never seen it happen. It happened a few times, and a few times I... it uh, Like, if, if you take too long on battles and he casts Doom on you... Uh huh. And like that got me a few times, so. Okay. Yeah, because like near the end, I, I got the. Uh, I also put the accessory on that 
protects you against death and all that. Oh, okay. And, uh, and uh, you know, blind and all that stuff. Right. Um, so I think we're, even though I've been kind of doing your counterpoint throughout most of the podcast, uh, I think we, we kind of agree that, um, that 13 is a good game. It's not necessarily a fantastic game. Um, I would probably personally call it a fantastic game, but that's also just because okay. of the kind of things I like. I, yeah. I definitely wouldn't call it perfect, but for the kind of things I look for in an RPG, I was very, very, very pleased with it. But yeah, I can like, also see, also like I can objectively see why a lot of people were not. So I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it. It's just a great game, and all the haters are wrong because I can see why people didn't like it. Yeah, because um, I'm I have this thing where, um, even though like I don't really think Thirteen is a bad game, like I can watch a bad movie like Alien vs Predator, Requiem. Which isn't a great movie. It's not even a good movie. But I can watch that and enjoy it. So, like, whenever I I watch or play something where people have, have problems with I can just kind of look past the the problems with it and just enjoy it for what it is. Right. So, um, yeah, like, I, I think... I don't know. I think they could condense the story and not make it take 50 hours to get through. Um, I mean... I don't know. I, I kind of like that about it. I didn't. I kind of like the lengthy journey. I I kept thinking it was going to be shorter than it was, and I was kind of worried that it was going to be short, and it ended up being quite long. And I honestly, I like the characters so much, and I, and I like their journey so much that I didn't really. I wasn't in any rush for it to end. Um. Yeah. Like I just wish there was a little bit more character development that involved people outside their little group of. Uh, yeah. No, I can definitely friends. understand. Um. I liked how lightning punched everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I and I, I do wish that the first thirteen days were fleshed out in the game more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely thought that the 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 villain could have used a little work. I mean, the, like I said, the the story surrounding the characters is good, but not amazing. But I thought that the, the characters themselves were un, unbelievably well written. Mm. And I and I thought the ending was incredibly poignant too. I, I loved the ending. Um, like my friend, I was talking about earlier. Um. She was like watching the ending when they were all crystal, and um, <clears throat> she was like, "Okay, this ending, this ending made it all worth it because it's very, like it, it's just like a bittersweet ending." But then she said, "It really is, yeah." Yeah, but then she said, "Everyone came back, to, like went back to normal," and that's and I didn't like that. And I was like, "Well, they really? didn't though because in the end they lost Fang and Vanille." Mm-hmm. I'm talking about which I friend. thought. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, like, I I didn't think, like, I, I was a little worried that despite all the the overall darkness of the story and the overall hopelessness of, you know, of their ordeal, I was afraid that Square was going to end it with, you know, complete, you know, total happiness, everything saved. And yeah. they, they, they didn't. I mean, even though Fang and Vanille saved the world, which I thought was an incredibly kind of chilling backdrop, too, when you see the, the, the crystallized kind of cradle that, that is holding Cocoon now. Um... But just like even though they they save the world, I mean, Cocoon's not—it's pretty worse for the wear. It's not exactly perfect, and oh, no. they have to rebuild. Oh yeah, like Cocoon is not in a good way at the end of the, the game. They have to rebuild on a on a alien world where everything's trying to kill them. Right, and I mean, and uh, and the fact that you know Fang and Vanille died, 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, and, and I thought that, it was, I mean, I guess they left it kind of open for you. Maybe they would eventually come out of their stasis, but it didn't seem like it to me. If they do, then Cocoon is just going to fall. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think they will, but I, yeah. I thought there was an equal amount of sacrifice with, with, you know, kind of happy. I mean, I'm really glad that Dodge and Sarah were able to come back in the end. I really wanted to see that happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, back to Vanille. So I thought it was, it was nice how like uh, Orphan was trying to get them to destroy Cocoon and at the end of it they're the one holding Cocoon up yeah no I, I, I like that a lot <laughs> and it, it kind of made me wonder if the overall like the, the theme of the overall story in the end seemed to be that like it's, it's kind of like what Orphan went into at the end which I thought was kind of a neat twist how he's like you know Fal- our, as Falci our power is limited our power is, our, is finite but, but you humans your power is beyond measure and that's why we take human. You know, that's why we take Lassie is so we can wield that power because you can do anything. Whereas we, Falfi, are kind of limited in what we can do. And in the end, it would seem that their their focus is humans. Their, their their desire to save the world was ultimately stronger than than their their you know Falfi focus to destroy the world. And that is in turn what led to them you know being able to lose their brands. And it makes you wonder if that's really what they saw all along back from the beginning of the game when they when they saw all their focus and mm-hmm. Ragnarok flying around and was that you know was were, were they really seeing themselves save the world? I don't uh, see how they. Is, I think this is one of the games where I need to replay again and really like uh, soak in the story now that I know kind of like the story beats and like where where it's going. Yeah, um, I just wish it didn't take fifty hours to do it, but. <laughs> Eventually, I'll, 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 I'll replay it. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, I just I think I think the story overall touched on a lot of important themes, and I thought it was handled maturely. And for what I look for in an RPG, thirteen delivered really everything I wanted it to. It wasn't perfect, but it, it it was honestly more than I was expecting because I, as I said before, I absolutely loathed twelve, and I was so turned off by the series from twelve that I just wasn't expecting that much for thirteen, and I was. I could not have been happier. Mm-hmm. Um, did you not like Twelve because it was a little bit too open-ended? Um, well, for various reasons, it just to me felt too much like a massively multiplayer offline RPG, and it was too mm-hmm. Western in its design in terms of RPG elements. I mean, it was very open-ended. Story definitely seemed to take a backseat to gameplay. I, di- I didn't like how the story seemed to have so many things in common with Star Wars of all things. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of got that because I got about halfway through the game. I, I, I would say, and I just couldn't do it, and I. I don't know. I thought the character drama just wasn't there. I, I didn't like Vaughn. I thought the main character uh, I like was Vaughn. And I just like... I did like Balthier. I liked Fran. I didn't hate all the characters. I just... It wasn't that interesting to me. I, I just... I think 13 delivered on more of the, of the drama that I kind of like personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, also a lot of people love 12, and I can see why. Yeah. I just personally, for what I look for, it just didn't really deliver what I wanted. Yeah, like in, in 12, I, I liked... Um, the gameplay a lot, and I like the characters. Um, the story I thought just got kind of confusing at times. Um, yeah, I just I didn't really. The story just didn't do it for me. All right, so um, all right, that's oh, our... but actually I should say I well did to to qualify that a little more. The I think my one of my main things was the license board. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't like how you had to had to learn how to put on a helmet, and then <laughs> yeah. and then actually buy the helmet for each character. That drove me up the wall. Yeah, like I heard they improved that in the international version. 
yeah, and I wish we'd gotten that here. I would have given it a fair fair chance again. If we'd gotten that version, I would have played it again. Yeah, like, I'm not sure how the international version works, but like apparently you choose a job for each character, and they and, like you pretty much stick with that. Like, and I would have liked that a lot more because yeah. I always prefer it when characters are kind of skewed towards their realistic roles than just a blank slate. Like, I, I wouldn't have liked it as much in 13 if you could have made Hope a commando really easily, because that doesn't seem realistic to me. Um, that, we're going back again, but that, but that did yeah. kind of annoy me how they, uh, they gave you access to all the classes, but they made it, like, where you didn't really want to. Yeah. Like, like you could make a Lightning a, a Synergist, but you don't really want to because yeah. it's really expensive, and then you can't make her a commando. Yeah. And, and like, that's, that's funny. That's a huge point of contention with me and a lot of my friends, and, and I can understand both sides of the argument. I mean, I've always preferred... Like, one of my biggest problems with games like 7 and 8 were that the characters were pretty much just blank slates com- except for, like, different limb breaks. Mm-hmm. And to me, I didn't like that. I kind of like when, when a character's usage is kind of determined by his realistic role and, and what he does in his life. Like, mm-hmm. if like I, I thought 10 struck a really good balance because... During the course of the story, Yuna wasn't ever really going to be anything more than a major summoner. But if you wanted to, post-game, you could make her stronger than Orm. That's fine. But in terms of, like, I, I, I prefer when characters are skewed more towards their realistic roles. It kind of takes me out of the game when I have a 15-year-old boy doing more damage than a battle-hardened soldier like Levin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, um, I liked how, how Snow had the highest hit points. Yeah, like that, that, that made it more realistic to me. And I just I feel like it would have taken me out of the game had it been too easy to make Vanille, for example, a commando. Yeah, like Vanille is like generally the best medic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like all the characters I thought had their strong points except for Saz, um, who uh, who seemed to be good at uh, being a synergist early on. Right. But then like his his damage output was never very high. Yeah, I think the problem with Saz, well, I, I think Saz's weapons had um, really crazy stats to make up for that, because I, I know that his Tier 2s and Tier 3s had a lot higher um, like bonus bonuses to attack and magic than some of the other characters, because he was kind of a jack-of-all-trades. Mm-hmm. He seemed to have kind of just um, lower innate stats, because he could be anything. Yeah. But the, but the problem with Saz was I never really wanted to use him after, after I got Hope really leveled up, because once Hope learned Haste, for me, oh, yeah. there was, like, no going back. Oh, yeah, like, Haste was the reason you use Saz. And yeah. then, like, once Hope can learn it, then, uh... And Hope's magic is just so off-the-wall powerful. Yeah, like, uh, I liked how Hope was a, a Ravager and a Medic. Yeah, and, like, and the reason that I used Fang instead of Snow is because Fang was also a Saboteur. Well, I used Vanilla as my Saboteur in my Oh, yes, yeah, because yeah, you used Viastri, you yeah. know. Um, I wish I could have used Lightning, but I couldn't really work her in there anywhere. Yeah, that's and and I do I do like that. That I mean, in the end, it, despite the limits on on your customization in terms of you know you are allowed to make lightning a synergist, but you don't really want to. Mm-hmm. I do I, I I talk to like ten different people about how they tackle thirteen, and I usually get ten different answers in terms of the characters they use, the paradigms they use, and I like that. I think maybe next time I play, I'll uh, I'll like take some characters down paths that they like normally don't go down. Just 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 to uh, you know spice up a little bit yeah like uh, i'll make lightning like uh, a synergist or whatever right um anyway we've been rambling on a little bit um we have (laughs) that's all right (laughs) so uh so final thoughts we kind of gave um do you want i guess i guess um 14 is another online game but do you want 15 to kind of stay on this um kind of 
linear path. Let's uh, tell our story and um, make things simple. Or do you want them to go back to kind of the more open, to like kind of the old modern games where it's uh, like you have the towns and you have the overworld and all that stuff. Um, to be honest, I didn't miss towns in the overworld. I, I, I again, ten's my favorite in the series, and ten didn't really have an overworld either. It was a long pilgrimage through, you know, a really well-realized world, and I, and I kind of felt like 13 kind of went off that. I, I would be okay with either one, as long as the, the storytelling remains the main focus. I, I would like to see 15 or whatever is after 14 um, kind of keep the keep the storytelling like it was in 13, and I know there will be a lot of people that disagree with me on that, but and I, and I don't think it'll ever happen because of the way the industry's going. I think 13 may well be the last really focused story we get in, in the series, um, but I'd like to see it happen again, and I hope it does. But I would like to see the gameplay kind of... Um, I'd like to see Square kind of uh, give us a compromise for people who need a tutorial. That's fine, but but yeah. for people who want to kind of experiment more from the beginning, I'd like to have that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I feel like they gave us a... Even though the battle system is pretty complex, they kind of gave us a, a straightforward battle system, but like still made the game like really really long i guess i don't know <laughs> yeah it just it seemed like you were allowed to get into the battle system and all of its intricacies at the at the rate the square wanted you to and i mean it never really bothered me that much but at the same time i can see why it bothered other people and just to appease everyone i think it should be an option next time mm-hmm. for for people who want to jump right in and check everything out to do that i mean I think you paid 60 bucks for the game so um i think if they just take what was good about 13 and like what was good about um, like ten and uh, like a few of the other games, um, it'll be a really solid experience. And it is past midnight here, so of course. So we should definitely <laughs> probably wrap it up then. All right. Um, would you like to plug any websites? Um, I guess just for me. I mean, if any of you guys out there are looking for an alternative source of gaming news, I am the Los Angeles Console Game Examiner. Um, I this is my own gaming blog that that I run. Um spend as much time as I can or on it as I can. Uh, if you just Google LA console game examiner, you'll find my personal page and I write news stories and report on gaming news and kind of get my little spin on it. Uh, and that's about, yeah, that's, that's it for me. Right. And, uh, you can email the show at, uh, Joseph Elfrog at, uh, gmail.com. Um, and you'll find our Twitter and our websites in the, in the, sh- in the show feed. Um, right. And if anyone's interested, I talk about gaming on Twitter a lot as well. So if anyone's interested, um, my my Twitter name is Maverick Hunter Ash without the vowels, if you can figure that out <laughs> from that explanation alone. It's like a, so, it's like a puzzle. Yeah, exactly. But um, uh, yeah, you know, I, I talk about games a lot. So and uh, I guess we'll have you back when you and Dustin and that other guy. I'm sorry, I forget his name. Uh, Gomer the Ranting Thespian, I think his name is. Gomer. Um, you'll be doing <laughs> a, yet another Mega Man podcast, and I might... I guess if you want to do more, you're you're welcome to, but... There's hey, I so- thank you for to having me on. I, I love doing no this, problem. so if you guys ever need another guest, you know, speaker, I'd, I'd love talking about games, so that's what I do. Yeah, like, we have kind of a, a rotating host set we go through, because everyone's busy at other times, so if we can get someone consistent on, that'll be great. Yeah, well, I'm I'm definitely down to do this anytime. I, I love talking about games with people. So, right, and not just games. We like we talk about whatever we want on the show. The show has no topic. That sounds good. I mean, like I'd I'd love to be part of it anytime. Right. Awesome. So I am going to go to bed, 
and uh, right. and everyone else. <laughs> um, hope you enjoyed. Thanks. All right. See ya. See you later. Bye. The following podcast will contain spoilers about Final Fantasy XIII. And just to prove it to you, in five seconds, I will spoil the end of the game for you. Everyone turns out okay. Except for Fang and Vanille. They became Ragnarok. And died.